just to tell you a little story about last weekend, we we took four vans and a truck with a trailer on it up to skiing with about 50 people. And Charlie was in the lead van and it got separated from the rest of the group. We all missed our turn. They didn't. Uh, so we just said, we'll just see you there at the hotel in Grand Rapids. Well, we ended up getting off the next exit, taking the back roads and getting back on the interstate. And uh, they decided, since they were ahead of us like 10, 15 minutes, they were going to stop and go to the bathroom and get some gas. So uh, they did that, and uh, we caught up with them. Caught up with them, and as they uh, caught up with us, Charlie called... Charlie called Keith that was in my van and says, you won't believe this. He's like, we pulled off exit 81 Shell Station out in the middle of nowhere, Michigan. And I had called this lawyer earlier in the day to refer a case to him. I hadn't talked to him in years, but wanted to refer this case to him. And he didn't ever answer or return my phone call. And he was standing behind me in line at the Shell Station. Coincidence? Absolutely not. If if we wouldn't have like been separated, that wouldn't have ever happened. But uh, we see it, and we talk to the students about you know just seeing the miracles that happen before our very eyes. Can you see it, or is it a coincidence that God is at work? So uh, we're in the Gospels, uh, winding down. Jesus has been making his appearances. To the different people at this point, he's made four different appearances after he's been resurrected out of the grave. His first appearance was to testing, testing, Mary, Mary Magdalene. His second appearance was to, I'm listening, you're you're guessing what? It was a group of other women. There's a group of the other women that didn't include Mary Magdalene. Remember, they were behind her. She went ahead. The third appearance was to the first disciple. Who was it? Peter. And then the second appearance was to who? This is actually the, got him backwards. He appeared to these people before he appeared to Peter. The, the two men on the road to Emmaus. Yeah, the two guys on the road to Emmaus. So it was, he's already appeared to Mary Magdalene. He's appeared to a group of other women. He appeared to the two men on the road to Emmaus. And then he appeared to Peter. Now we've got to like figure out the rest of this, how he presents himself to the rest of the disciples. I've been hacking and coughing for the last couple of weeks, but I'm prepared. I got my water, got a cough drop in, so bear with me today. Uh, we're going to pick up in John 20, verse 19. John 20, verse 19. It says, when it was evening of that first day of the week, what's the first day of the week? Sunday. When it was evening, that first day of the week, the disciples were gathered together with the doors locked. They're in a house. Katie bar the door. The doors are locked because they feared the Jews. Why did they fear the Jews? Because 
Jesus' body is missing, and they've been accused of stealing his body. And that's the last thing that they wanted was for Jesus to raise from the dead on the third day like he said he was going to do. So now the Jews are looking for the disciples because who else would have stolen his body? They're in this house scared. It says, Jesus came, stood among them, and said to them, Peace be with you. It didn't say that he came through the front door. It just says that Jesus appeared. He just showed up in the room. He was capable of doing that, being a soul and spirit, but we also know that he had a body. I go to Luke 24, verse 36. It says, as they were saying these things, if you back up to 35, you get really confused because 35 is talking about the two men that were on the road to Emmaus. But there's a period of time that happened between verse 35 and 36. 36 says, as they were saying these things, he himself stood in their midst and he said to them, peace to you. What was the emotion of the disciples in the room? They were scared. They had locked the door. They're coming after us. They're going to kill us. Jesus appears in the room and he says, peace to you. Well, what things are they talking about in this room? And really, you have to figure out who's in the room. We're going to find out literally who is in the room right here. There's 10 people in the room. I'll just tell you. There's 10 people in the room. All the disciples are there except for Thomas. Thomas is the only disciple that's not there. There's 11 disciples because Judas has already killed himself. Thomas is not there. That's 10. So if 10 disciples are there, who's in the room that believes at this point? We know that John believes because as soon as he walked into the tomb and he saw that the garments that were surrounding him were laid perfectly still, that he knew at that very point that Jesus was alive, that he had risen from the tomb. And he said he believed. Peter's in the room. Jesus has already appeared to Peter, right? So now he believes. Peter believes. Of the ten people in the room, you've got two that believe. You've got maybe Mary and the other women, and they're trying to convince the other eight disciples. I'm telling you, he's alive. We've seen him. And they're like going, no, don't believe it. You spent three, three years with this guy. And all along, he's been telling you, He's the Messiah. He's the one that's come to save you from your sins, that his blood was going to be poured out, that he was going to be buried, that he was going to raise again after three days. He's been telling them that. Then they got two brothers that are in there. Peter and John, they're saying, I, we've seen him with our own eyes. He's done it. And the eight are going, 
Not buying it. Not buying it. Don't believe. It says in verse 37, it says, but they were startled and terrified and thought they were seeing a ghost. Thought they were seeing a ghost. This actually can't be Jesus. Go to Mark 16, 14. It says, later he appeared to the leaven. When he says 11, that's capitalized, and it's referring to the 11 as a group. Obviously, Judas is gone. He's killed himself. But this is them as a group. Thomas is not there. That's just a title that they've given the group of disciples. It says, later he appeared to the 11 themselves as they were reclining at the table. He rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart because they did not believe those who saw him after he had risen. So now the women and Mary are in there with Peter and John. They're saying, look, and those guys are like, there's no way. So who did he rebuke? He only rebuked the eight. How how did Jesus rebuke these eight? The first thing he says is peace to you. Peace to you. If you go back to John 14, if you go back to John 14, and we did this in the fall about the time that my mother was passing in September. And I came to understand that the peace that he says is not the peace that I have, which I can generate in my own, my own strength. He's like, peace to you, and this peace to you is my peace. My peace is different than the peace that you're going to generate. Yeah, you you can you can get away. You can you can focus. You can make peace in your life, but the peace that I'm going to give you is totally different than what you can do. This is what he's bringing to the disciples. He says to them, "Peace to you." So the eight received. This rebuking. Go back to Luke 24, verse 38. It says in 38, Why are you troubled? This is his rebuking. Why are you troubled? And why do you your doubts arise in your hearts? Look at my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see, because a ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you can see, I have. Having said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. They thought they were seeing a spirit. The eight of them did. Peter and John are probably standing there like going, yeah. Told you. I like that he says, you see flesh and bones. He makes no mention of blood because his blood had been poured out. Look at John 20, 20. He then says, having said this, he showed them his hands and his side. John just said, look, I want you to see my hands and my side where he was pierced by the sword by the soldier. Back in Luke, it says he showed him his hands and his feet. He showed them all three. He's like, hey, look, come touch this. 
I've got holes in my hand. I've got holes in my feet. I have a hole in my side. I just want you to be sure that it is me. Not some spirit, not some ghost, but it is truly me. And then go back to Luke 24, 41. 41 says this, but while they were still, but while they still were amazed and in disbelief because of their joy, he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? Now the tables are turned. Typically, it was the disciples that said, hey, are you going to feed us, Jesus? And now Jesus is like, do you have anything to eat? Why would he say that? Because a spirit wouldn't ask for food. Like, physically, I'm here, and I want to eat with you. This isn't the Last Supper, isn't a remembrance or anything like that. I just want to know if you have anything to eat. So they gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it, and he ate it in their presence. He's saying, I'm for real. This is, this is really me. Spirit, soul, body. I'm eating. With you. And then go back to John 20 20. It says, So the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Now they all believed. All ten disciples believed. Thomas is not in the house. You with me? Verse 31 it says, Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. Ten disciples are present, not Thomas. Jesus was sent here on earth. You, you've got to see this. Jesus was sent here on earth by his father to live his life by his father, by another source. That was purposeful. Jesus came here to walk this earth to show us how to live our lives by another source. That's the whole deal. Look, I'm doing it by the Father. Now I'm sending you in the same way. You disciples right there, you ten disciples, I'm sending you out. I've patterned for you. I've showed you. I've told you how to live your life by another source. Now your turn. You get to live your life by another source. Now watch this. This can be a little bit confusing here. After saying this, he breathed on them. He ate broiled fish and he breathed on them. <laughs> That's awesome. He breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, I know what you're sitting there thinking. Uh... I thought they didn't receive the Holy Spirit until Acts chapter 2 when the church was actually birthed. Look what it says. And after this, he breathed on them, not in them. Like Acts chapter 2, the Spirit came in them. So why in the world would it say he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit? I believe that these ten men right here, 
he knew that he was going to be hanging out with them for the next 40 days. And he wanted them to understand exactly what he was going to be teaching them during that time that he walked the earth. And he gave them the capability to understand, not necessarily that the Spirit was in them, but the Spirit was on them. Happened all throughout the Old Testament with different characters. Happened with David. Big difference between being in and on. Verse 23, it says, If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. That's... So you've given them the ability to forgive sin. Well, that's what Jesus died on the cross for, was for, for the forgiveness of sin. So what's he saying to his disciples? He's really giving them the authority right there to judge sin. I believe in the church we're called to judge sin. Now you're like, wait, there's no condemnation. We're not talking about condemning. But what's the ability to loosen sin and to tighten up on sin? That's the whole loosening that he's talked about earlier, that he gave Peter the keys of the kingdom. I believe it has to do a lot with church discipline. Church discipline actually happens within this group. You don't see it. We don't make it public. We've never had to make it public. We would if we had to. Never never had to. I know of other churches in the community that make a list of sins public. And it's, it's rough. It's a rough deal. It's a beatdown. It's not what, not what God intended. But here, here's the situation is, if God's given us the ability to judge sin, you know what that means? It means that we're able to say something, hey man, there's a difference between walking in the flesh and walking by the Spirit. That's what that looks like. Remember that the Spirit has come and He convicts us of our righteousness. He's always convicting us of, our, of who we are. And He's given us the ability to say, hey, Remember who Jesus made you. Like, I'm coming to fellow believers and I'm able to say, hey, remember that you're holy, that you're blessed, that you're redeemed, that you're forgiven. If I can remind them of who they are, I don't have to remind them what not to do. I don't have to talk about their behavior. Sometimes, sometimes I have to state the obvious. I think sometimes... Paul stated the obvious. He obviously did that in Corinthians when they were abusing the Lord's Supper. There was the man who was sleeping with his mother-in-law. There's all sorts of church discipline that's listed in the Scripture. And what Jesus is saying here is we, we give you the authority because you have the Spirit. You have the Spirit is that you're able to talk people about what it means to walk by the Spirit, walk by their flesh. Big deal. And then we get to this. Verse 24, it says, But Thomas, called Didymus, or the twin, he's one of the twelve, 
was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples were telling him, same, same thing, now you got ten on one. We've seen him, trust us, we've seen him. And this is where Thomas gets his name, Doubting Thomas. But he said to them, if I don't see the mark of the nails in his hands, put my finger into the mark of the nails and put my hand to his side, I will never believe. He's no different than the other guys. Come on, let's, let's just be honest right here. They did the same thing. But at this point, Thomas is the only disciple not to believe. Verse 26, it says, A week later, some of your translations say after eight days. Remember that Sunday is part of a day, and the following Sunday is another part of a day. That's eight days. So it's Sunday the following week. It says, A week later, his disciples were indoors again, and Thomas was with them. Even though the doors were locked, Jesus came in and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Eight days later, Jesus appears again for now the sixth time. He says, then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and look at my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Don't be faithless, but believe. Thomas responded to him, my Lord and my God. And Jesus says, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Mm. Blessed are those who haven't had the ability to touch the holes, to touch the side, yet you believe. I was, you know, you... you you should go throughout the week, you have these different, maybe you don't, uh, I, I have these thoughts and I just have to sit there and write them down. I was literally in a movie this week with my wife and I pulled out my phone and totally distracted from the movie. And I wrote this down. Jesus is truth. We're not teaching this generation that Jesus is the truth. And they're finding it hard to believe. Therefore, they're not falling in love with Jesus. The more truth they know about Jesus, the more they will believe. We're teaching them morals and behavior and lists. Just teach them that Jesus was and is and always will be real. Teach Jesus so the Spirit will prove Him real. The trust will come if they believe He's real. I've been up here for almost 90 weeks teaching Jesus. If you're counting on me for your kids to get it, you're missing out. I, I, I mean, I've done everything I possibly can to teach that Jesus is real. 
for the last year and a half. It's not my opinion. It's taking the Word of God, studying it, preparing, laying it out, and saying, it doesn't get any more real than this. I've taken people over to Israel and said, son, daughter, this is the real deal. This, this is where Jesus stood. He's a real person. These stories are real. This is where it happened. If you're not teaching your kids that Jesus is real, they're going to have a hard time believing and trusting it. If it's just some story, great, we know a story. I don't think it is your responsibility nor my responsibility to make Jesus come alive to them. I believe that's the spirit in each person. But man, what do you do? What more can I do? What more can you do to teach that Jesus is real? It's getting harder and harder and harder in this world with this social networking, with all the chaos that's going on around. No one wants to, no one wants to believe that Jesus is real. Father, I... I ask that you uh, somehow, some way, make that happen in these homes. Uh, in verse 30, it says, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples that are not written in this book. John's sitting here saying, I... I didn't record everything that Jesus did, everything that God did through Jesus. I wrote down seven of them. I wrote seven, seven miracles, but seven should be enough for you to believe. Seven's enough, right? How, how many do you? What? How many do you need? I've. He's saying I've literally taken the story of my friend, and I've written it out to you. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah. John's saying, I wrote this for you to believe. You may not have the opportunity that I had to actually touch the holes in his hands. But just like we tried to get Thomas to believe, you, know, you need to know this is real. That Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name, that you may live your life by another source, that you will have Jesus in us to live our life for us. Paul says in Colossians 3, 4, he is my life. And then, Chapter 21 in John, verse 1, it says, After this, Jesus revealed himself again to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, which is also Galilee. Jesus has all along said, Hey, when I'm crucified and I'm buried, I'll meet you in the Sea of Galilee. Go up there. That's where I'll meet you. 
They didn't go and they didn't go and they didn't go because they didn't believe. They even had to wait another week for Thomas to believe before they could go. And finally, once Thomas believed, we're like, okay, we're going up to Sea of Galilee where he told us. They finally, they finally get the courage to get out of their locked house and get out of Jerusalem because they believe. Verse 2, it says, Simon Peter, Thomas, the same Thomas that was doubting, Nathaniel from Cana of Galilee, Zebedee's sons, which would be who? James and John. And two others of his disciples were together. That's seven total. Seven of the disciples. And Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They're in Galilee waiting on Jesus. And Peter says, guess what I'm going to do? I'm not going to sit around. I'm going to go back to my old vocation. I'm going to go back to what I know how to do. And so he gets on a boat, and some of the other disciples join him. says, we're coming with you, they told him. They went out, got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Maybe in three years they forgot how to fish. Seven men, including Peter... James and John, those are the ones that Jesus found in the boat fishing back in Luke chapter 5. Damn, it caught a thing. When daybreak came, they fished all night, didn't catch a thing. Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not know it was Jesus. Friends, Jesus called to them. You don't have any fish, do you? Nope, they answered. Look, I'll show you something. This this place is real. If there's any one place in Israel that we went, our tour guide said, this is where Jesus came ashore right here. If you'll remember last April, I stood in this place and we televised from Israel back here to, to Pinhead. This is from that very day at that very place that they have identified where Jesus came ashore to his disciples. You see some of our, uh, look, uh, I want those people to know that Jesus is real. That's why we drug them there to Israel. This is that whole area right there. And this is the whole group. It's our guide on the right. I'm going again. I'm taking another. I've seen it, done it twice, and I'm taking another group. I'll take as many as I can, figure out how to get you there, but I want you to know Jesus is real. I want you to know this place is real. I'm going in October of 2020. It's booked. Just plan on it. Start saving your money now. Go with us. It'll be a phenomenal trip. Just loving our people. That's it. All right? October 2020. I just revealed it to you. This is where Jesus is standing on the shore. They're out in the boat. They've caught nothing. They've caught nothing. He says, you don't have any fish, do you? No, they answered. He said, cast the net on the right side of the boat, he told them, and you'll find some. Now, come on, if you're a fisherman, you've been out there all night, you're already kind of edgy, right? 
maybe kind of hangry. And somebody stands on the shore and says, hey, if you throw your nets on the other side of the boat, you'll catch fish. <laughs> yeah, right. That, like, that's going to make a difference. So they did. And they were unable to haul it in because of the large number of fish. says the disciple, the one Jesus loved, who wrote this? John. Who is he referring to? Himself. The disciple, the one Jesus loved, said to Peter, It's the Lord. <laughs> to me, that, that's, uh, to, to, to you, this should be encouraging because here's Peter. Who, who's the first disciple that Jesus showed up to? Peter. Who's the one that Jesus says, I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom? Peter. Who's the one that delivered the message to the Samaritans first, to the Gentiles first? Peter. Peter was the leader. He was the spokesperson. He was the guy that would be right here. But who recognized Jesus first? John did. Peter didn't even recognize it was Jesus. It was John. That should be encouraging. Look. I pray that you guys see things bigger than I do. It doesn't have to come through me. It's just like Matt was saying. There's nothing special about me being up here on stage. You have the same spirit in you that I have in me. You may see things that I'll never see. And that's what happened with John. It's the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he tied his outer clothing around him. Some say he was naked. For he had taken it off, and he plunged into the sea. Since they were not far from land, about a hundred yards away, the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of... It's so like Peter, right? Forget the fish. I'm going to Jesus. Just jumps in. It's the second time he's jumped out of the boat for Jesus. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish. When they got out of the land, they saw a charcoal fire there with fish lying on it, and bread. Those weren't the fish out of the net. Jesus already had breakfast prepared for his disciples. Somebody said when Jesus met the disciples, he didn't give them a lecture, he fixed them breakfast. He's like, I know they're going to be hungry. He says, bring some of the fish you've just caught. Let's supplement what I've got here, but I've already got it started. So Simon Peter climbed up, hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. Uh, we had a discussion uh, last night about the, the 153. It's been calculated by Augustus and philosophers and everything else. It's been digitize what's the significance of 153 some say it spells out the name of jesus in different languages and there's 153 fish people it's 153 fish i think john's like saying look i didn't include all the miracles but let me just validate this for you let, let me just show you there's some authority there was 153 fish so how many were there? It was amazing. Even though there were so many, the net was not torn. 
Verse 12, come and have breakfast. Jesus says, just, guys, just come and eat. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread, and gave it to them. He did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to the disciples. And he, after he was raised from the dead. God, I pray that our parents that are in this room right now believe in you so much that they pursue you with all their heart that as they raise their kids, their kids don't have to ask who you are. That they know without a shadow of a doubt that you are the Messiah, that you are their Savior, that you are their Lord, that you have come to live inside of them and live their life for them. Please be real to us in this room. On a moment-by-moment basis, may we see the miracles that you're still doing today. May we still see the work that you do through each of us today. May we recognize that it's not us, that it's you. And that you're real. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.